somebody just shout Jesus right there. He always guides me. He always guides me. Is it look okay? Is it on the other side? I'm standing here, bro. Good morning, church. Good to see you in the house of the Lord today. Happy fall break to those who are watching online that are traveling. Many of our people are away for fall break, but we're so glad that you are here. And most of all, we invite the Lord Jesus to come and be with us in the midst. Many of you, if not all of you, are aware that we had a, a very difficult weekend in the life of our church. One of our very beloved young men who grew up here, his mother is our preschool director, his uncle is Pastor Mike Wellborn, our executive pastor, was missing, um, don't have a lot of answers. I don't need a lot of answers. All we need to know is God allowed that young man to walk out of those woods, and he was being checked out last night. So we just want to praise the Lord for answered prayer. Amen? Amen? I was messaging with his father, Stephen Cooper, Friday night, and I'm sure Stephen doesn't remember because so many people were talking to him, and Stephen's answer to me was, while his son is missing, he said, we serve a big God, and we sure do serve a big God. And so people were, were there, many of the church family, so Stephen, Pastor Mike, all of their family, they're resting today because they didn't get any sleep, and we understand that, but they wanted me to thank you, church family, those of you here, those of you watching, for your prayers, your texts, your phone calls, and your food. And let me ask you to do this, let's just give them some space. They don't need 10,000 questions from us right now. They just need our love. All that matters is that Brock is home, and he is safe, and he is well. So let's just celebrate and thank the Lord. And so many of our church family were up there to encourage them. Uh, one of the men in the world that I admire most is Brother Kirk Adams, and Kirk and his sweet wife were there. And I asked Kirk if he would just to come this morning and express a prayer of thanksgiving. And maybe if you want to come to the altar, and let's pray together. If you want to pray where you are, you do that. But Kirk, thank you, buddy, for all you do. Come, and let's just praise the Lord for answered prayer. Pastor, I hope you don't mind me sharing just a little bit of testimony before we go. Uh, I, I just want to share a, a, just the Lord's conviction in my life uh, over the last couple of days. And, and as many of you know, this was a, uh, you know, it's a trying time, especially for people that we love. And, uh, but I couldn't help, you know, when I first got word that, that Brock was missing, uh, the first thing I began to do was begin to pray earnest earnest prayers that God just protect him God bring him back to us and as the days progressed throughout the night that night we, Sheila and I were praying the next morning we get up and we have this sense of urgency we need to be there to be a part of whatever's going on whatever efforts to find Brock throughout the day we had groups of us praying uh, just trying to think of things we could do to help minister and to find him and God put on my heart through this whole time, you know, that's, that's what's going on all around us every day. 
and it really convicted my heart that, uh, you know, I've got good friends of mine that are lost and out looking for a way, and they can't find their way back. And how few a times I wake up through the night and ask God in an earnest way, Lord, find them. Lord, help me to be a part of whatever it may take to bring them home. And I was watching throughout the day yesterday and yesterday afternoon, and we were all urgent. I mean, you know, Jeff and Taylor and I, we were talking, and there was just a sense of urgency. We, we got to hurry. We got to get there. We got to do this. We got to do that. Time's running out. <laughs> and God kept speaking to my heart and reminded me, time's running out on a lot of our friends. I saw a group assemble yesterday, the Georgia Defense Group volunteers that came in in full uniform and they were there to prepare to do whatever helicopters flying into land and as a helicopter landed yesterday in this parking lot at Yahula Baptist Church I got a phone call from Chip and Chip called me he and Mike had just went back down to the to the gathering side and Chip called me and he said uh, they found him and I said is he alive he said he's alive I said do you see him he said I see him And my heart was overwhelmed that, that we had found him. And I remember telling this group of about 40 or 50 men that were assembled there, they found him. And they wanted to confirm it and all these type of things, but my mind just went back there, and I was thinking about it yesterday, that how, how long may it have been in my life where I've had that feeling run up the back of my neck when someone came back to Jesus at doesn't know them because they're out there just like that <laughs> they don't know where to turn they don't know what to do they don't know what turn next we'll get them home and you know what i i could have told brock yesterday here's how you go you come this way to us <laughs> so i i just want to this morning i do want to pray a, a prayer of thanksgiving because what i want to pray for even more so is that my heart will have that stirring within it that each day that, that feeling of urgency is in my life somewhere because there's those around you too that are just like that. There are those around you that, that need to be found. And I'm going to tell you something. Uh, it was an amazing thing when he goes walking up to somebody's home and says, I'm lost. Lord, can you help me? And the door of the house was opened up, and Chip and I were talking this morning. It reminded me that's exactly what Jesus does. <laughs> we go knock on that door because I'll never forget it the day I came to know Jesus. I was reminded that he's standing there knocking at my heart's door. He's looking to find us. He's looking to find us. And I couldn't help but think yesterday as the day goes along uh, of one thing, and I, I want you to join me in this, and then we'll pray. And I'm not a singer by any means, but it was this. Jesus, I just want to thank you. Jesus, I just want to thank you. Jesus, I just want to thank you. Thank you for being so good. He's a good God. He loves us. He wants to restore us. He wants us to bring us into a relationship with him. And we got a lot of folks around us just like that, that, man, we ought to be celebrating this week they've been found.
Let's pray together. Father, Lord, I just love you. And Lord, I want to honor you this morning and thank you. And Lord, I want to just uh, ask you, Lord, to remind my heart. I beg, Lord, that you'll just remind me of what it felt like to find Brock yesterday. For him to be found, Lord, for him to be saved from trouble and from despair. Father, thank you for loving us the way that you do. Father, thank you for giving us a way. Through your son Jesus, Lord, you've granted us a way to be found. And so, Father, I just thank you this morning on behalf of this family because we sat around yesterday Lord and I know their hearts are thankful for this church and for all those that prayed Lord we just want to thank them Lord for what all they have shared but Lord most of all Lord you heard our prayers my wife reminded us this morning in our small group so many times Lord we pray and Lord we really are surprised when the answer comes Father help us never to be surprised Because, God, you're always on time. You never make a mistake. And to this day, you've never said, "Uh uh-oh. So, God, I just thank you today. Thank you for the safety of Brock. Thank you for his family, Lord, that has been such a great part of this church. And, Father, I just pray that you'll be there alongside of them, Lord, as they recuperate and, Lord, as they rest and, Lord, as they minister. Father, help us to be that part that can undergird this family and love them the way that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here. together this morning.
Sing that last chorus together. Sing, you're the God who fights for me. Come on, church. You're the God who fights for me, Lord of every victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have told seems like you're constantly under attack, whether you're dealing with family sickness, or it seems like every time you get in a car that someone's slamming into you, I mean, just under attack. I came in here this morning, and I stand before you with the title, Pastor. Came in here this morning defeated and broken and beat down and not really ready to be here, if I'm being honest. 
with everything that's happened this weekend, I've just been thinking about what's going on in our lives as a family. And at the same time, I'm wondering what's going on in your life as our family. Because honestly, we've all been through so much over the last year and a half, two years. And have we once stopped to check on one another and say, how are you doing today? So church, I want to ask you, this is just something that's on my heart just because it just poured over me while we were singing that song. How many of us can honestly stand up here and sing, sing hallelujah because we're on that mountaintop right now, right? But we're singing the, that song and like it just hit me. I'm not really ready to sing a hallelujah this morning, but then I'm sitting there singing, you're the God who fights for me. Lord of every victory, hallelujah. You may not be standing in that victory this morning because I know I'm not. But the cool thing about being a child of God is that although we may be on, in a valley at some point, we know that ultimately even if this side of heaven we don't see that victory and if we don't have that overcoming, that there's coming a day, we've already read the back of the book, where God wins. Satan is defeated, and we never have to stand through the trials and the things that we deal with here. Praise God for that. If you don't know this man named Jesus, I don't know how you're walking around in this world. And I'm talking to you here. I'm talking to you online. You need to come to know this man named Jesus because it'll give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. I can stand up here this morning and sing that hallelujah just because I know that he's already conquered death, hell, and the grave. But church, I do want to stand here before you and say, how are you? How are you doing? It's time we as a church get over our pride. And that's not just our church, that's every church in this country. We get over our pride and we come together as a family and we lay it all out there. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm struggling with. I am dying inside. Because we're not meant to do this life alone. Matter of fact, Scripture says that we're to lay our burdens on one another so we can help to bear that burden, right? Church, this altar's open. If you feel like you're defeated, we're going to sing a little bit longer. Come. People will come pray with you. We've got pastors in here. We've got deacons in here. We've got other ladies. We've got ladies in here that come pray with you. Come. Pour it out to the only one who can help you where you're at. sing again and if you feel like coming I wish you would come don't bear this burden alone don't do it It's a sign that you are with me. Five 
Father God, God, I give you praise, God, that you have led me through the deep. You've torn apart the sea, God. Hallelujah. God, you are merciful and glorious, God, and we give you praise to God that when we're in, God, when we're in exile, Father, when it seems like we're bound in a place where you are nowhere to be found, God, that you are there to remind us. God, that you are worthy of our praise and worthy of our hallelujahs because you have already overcome death, hell, and the grave, God. God, we just ask you, we praise you, God. Pray I've already moved. And Father, we praise you for how you're going to continue to move. We thank you. We give you honor and glory and praise. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Jesus Christ is worthy of all praise. Let's give him some praise one more time this morning, church.
Thank you so much, Pastor Matt, for your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, your transparency. Thank you, Kirk, for what's such a great challenge and a parallel to the way we were crying out to the Father for Brock's rescue when there are lost people all around us. We've already had church this morning. Jesus Christ paid much too high a price to bring my behind out of Egypt, of my sin of Egypt, for me to walk in defeat and to walk into victory. He paid much too high a price for that. If you've been shopping lately, and men, if you haven't, you ought to go with your wife shopping. I've done that a couple of times recently. I know that sounds like torture, and it kind of sort of is, but I, we need a reality check. I'm stunned at how expensive everything is. The price of everything is going up, some things more than others. And what do you have a choice when it comes to fuel and food and all that stuff? We, we just got to pay it. Some things are more costly than other things. In the Boxer Rebellion in China in 1900, Christians were targeted specifically for persecution. Insurgents took control of one mission station with students inside, and they barred three of the entrances where nobody could enter or exit, but one remained open. And at the one remaining entrance and exit, they laid a cross on the ground there. And the announcement was made to the folks inside, if you will walk out over that cross and step on that cross, you can walk to freedom and you'll be allowed to live. But if you refuse to do so and you walk around that cross, you will face a firing squad. Well, the first, se the first seven students walked over that cross as if they were just trampling over the blood of Jesus and were allowed to go free. The eighth student was a young lady. That young lady stood at that entrance, she looked at the cross, she knelt at the cross. She prayed and thanked God for her son Jesus who died on that cross. She thanked God for her son Jesus who would give her the strength to face what she was about to face. She stood up, walked right out to the firing squad, and it cost her her life. When the students inside realized what had happened, the next 92 students followed her example and did exactly what she did. I want us to think this morning when it cost to follow Christ, when it cost to follow Christ. Here in our country, we don't face that as much yet as they do in other parts of the world. You see, you see the news from time to time in other parts of the world, many times females, young ladies who are in school who dare to further their education, specifically if they're in Christian school, many of these young ladies in other parts of the world are kidnapped and forced into marriages uh, by people who are extremists. Many times they're targeted just because they go to school. We don't know what's going to happen in Afghanistan now, but some of, the, some of the same stuff goes on there. People all around us today are paying a very high price of persecution. Christians every day are facing this. More than 200 million Christians face persecution today, every day. And I'm told 60% of those who face that persecution are children. Over 43 million Christians have laid down their lives as martyrs since Jesus Christ was crucified and rose again. Over half of those have occurred in just the last hundred years. It's almost like God knew exactly what he was talking about when we read the scripture and he says, before the Lord comes back, things are going to get worse before they get better. But as Pastor Matt reminded us, we've read the last chapter, we know how that ends. So while there may be some persecution, quote, here and there, people targeted for being a believer, maybe on their job or in a classroom somewhere, we don't face what the rest of the world faces. But if we did, if I was inside that building 
and told I could walk over that cross and live or kneel at that cross, I understand enough to know that if I kneel at that cross, I'm going to live by not denying my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter was writing to a church scattered by persecution. They've been scattered away from home. Nero was a wicked emperor at that time, and that is the context of our study here in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3, we'll begin this morning in verse number 13. If you're physically able, would you please rise and let's honor the reading of God's Word. It is absolute truth for all people, for all places, and for all times. So as he wrote this to a church scattered by persecution, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it applies to me, and it applies to you. Verse 13, now who want to harm you if you're eager to do good? Even if you suffer for doing what's right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. Lord Jesus, may we never forget, I don't ever want to forget, the high price you paid to bring me out of my Egypt of slavery and sin, to let me walk in freedom under the forgiveness that you purchased with the blood of your only Son, Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that that victory is sealed and it is ours. I pray for believers today who are hearing this or who hear this later on this week, God, encourage believers who are discouraged. Encourage believers who need to hold up our head high and walk in victory even when our emotions don't feel like it. Even when the circumstances of our life say otherwise, God, thank you for the reminder from Pastor Matt this morning that you have already secured our victory. So may we walk in that today, and may we be prepared to follow you down any road and any cost because you alone are worthy. In the name of your son Jesus, we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated. Even when I don't see it, even when you don't see it, even in a time like yesterday, when we didn't know where Brock was, I just had lunch with this young man about two weeks ago, so excited about what God's doing in his life, so excited about the future before him, and then we're, we're taken aback yesterday. Even when I don't see it, and when you don't see it, when emotionally I don't feel it, God is always, always, always at work, accomplishing His purposes for His glory, even in the midst of suffering and persecution. Write this down with me, if you will. Number one, we must live a life that points others to Jesus. We must live a life that points others to Jesus. Look at verse number 16. He says, do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. One of the continued themes through the book of 1 Peter is not only persecution and faithfulness in times of persecution, but submission. We looked at submission in the family. We looked at submission to the government, submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We're reminded that when we live under God's authority, there's always a purpose and a plan, even in the midst of persecution. And I can allow my emotions to take over and get the mully grubs about that and forget, as Kirk reminds us, people all around us are dying and going to hell and they need to be rescued. But I'm so focused on my hurt and my temptation and my persecution, quote unquote, that I, I miss the big picture. Everything about our lives is to point people to Jesus. And when you're wronged for being a believer, when you're singled out on the job and you don't get that promotion, 
when you don't get that grade maybe in, in a college class or a high school class because you didn't write the position that the professor or the teacher wanted you to have, God says you're blessed when you do that. God's not looking for spectators. God's looking for people who will get in the game and be a witness for Jesus down any road and at any cost. Radical obedience. Radical obedience even when it costs you something. Radical obedience even when the whole world makes fun of you. That speaks volumes to a world that is lost without hope. I can only imagine in the Boxer Rebellion all those people who witnessed what was happening. All those people who witnessed what was happening as those young people went to the firing squad because of their love for Jesus. Did they deserve it? No. Was it fair? No. But they did it anyway in submission and love for Jesus. Imagine the witness that said to the people around them. When you and I don't return evil for evil, when people may expect us to bow up and people may expect us to get mad and fire back at them, it is a wonderful testimony of the sustaining and the filling power of the Holy Spirit of God when you endure that difficult treatment. And then he says, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within you. When people say, how do you do that? How come when that teacher mocks you like that, you don't get mad like everybody else? Why is it that when the boss points out you for your Christian belief for not doing what everybody else does? You don't go to the cocktail parties with everybody else. You don't party like everybody else. How do you keep your cool then? What a great question. A perfect opportunity for you to tell them, hey, it ain't about me. In my flesh, I may want to do the same stuff. In my flesh, I may want to knock their teeth down their throat or may want to go get drunk with them. But because Jesus in me, he loved me enough to bring me out of my Egypt, the least I can do is to live for him because he alone is worthy. And verse 17 says, for it is better... If it's the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. We've said over and over in this series, suffering is essential to the gospel. It took the suffering of Jesus for my sins for me to have a relationship with the Father. And then the second thing I want you to look at this morning, number two, we must worship Christ alone. We must worship Christ alone. There's so many things in our world that vie for our attention. There's so many things that want our attention more than other things. And anything that I put in front of my relationship with the Lord, that is an idol. We might not bow down to a golden Buddha or some kind of carved image, but anything that I let get in front of my relationship with Jesus becomes an idol in my life. And verse 18 reminds me how much he loved me, how far he went to pull me out of my Egypt. Look at verse 18. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. Suffering, essential to the gospel. He never sinned, but he died for sinners. Why? To bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. Peter's reminding them, hey, if you think you're suffering, and they were, they were scattered away from home by persecution under wicked Emperor Nero. Peter and others would go on to face their martyrdom because of their faith in Jesus. But he says, hey, when you do that, there's a special blessing from the Lord, and Jesus has already been our ultimate perfect example of suffering. The gospel is forged not just through suffering, but the gospel is forged through suffering and triumph. Because you see, ladies and gentlemen, if there was no Good Friday, there'd be no Easter. Easter Sunday morning, amen? If there was no suffering, there'd be no victory. So the gospel is formed through, forged through suffering, and it's the suffering in our life that shows us, hey, you can't do this on your own. You're never going to make it in this life apart from Jesus. I don't know how lost people on a good day get out of bed and face another day in the world that we live in. I don't know how they do it. I'm thankful I don't have to know because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of me, and if I take my eyes off the Lord, it's that same Holy Spirit that convicts me. 
and says, Mike, you're looking at the wrong thing. You're looking at your circumstances. You're looking at criticism. You're looking at circumstances in the world. You need to look unto Jesus, Hebrews 12 says, the author and finisher of our faith. Look at verse 19. So, he, talking about Jesus, went and preached to the spirits in prison. Controversial verses here, debated for hundreds of years. Those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. He's talking about Noah and the ark. Only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. We preached on that not too long ago. And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the suffering and the victory, Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And so what he is saying is, as in the Old Testament, Noah and his family went into that ark of safety. The ark of safety for you and I today is salvation. It's the only means of safety. And he talks about baptism, and there are denominations who kind of twist this and get it wrong, and they try to say, well, if you're not baptized, you're not born again. If you're truly saved, you will be baptized. Well, I think baptism is important, definitely. It's the first step of obedience for a new believer. The Great Commission says, go and make disciples of all the nations. And what's the next thing it tells us to do? to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it is important, but we know biblically that it is not necessary for salvation. If all I had was the thief on the cross, and I think Pastor Mike Wilburn may have talked about the thief on the cross for us last week. If all I knew was the thief on the cross, Jesus, he turned to Jesus at the last moment before he died. He lived in rebellion against holy God, and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't say, hate it for you, dude. You can't get baptized. You ain't going to heaven. No, so we know baptism is not necessary for salvation. But these are some curious verses that have been debated uh, by theologians for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. Here's the deal. Jesus went to announce to them that he is the Messiah. He is the Messiah that died for their sins. He wasn't preaching for salvation because once my body, my heart takes its final beat, there's no other chances to be saved. He was telling them that victory that y'all looked forward to, the victory that you heard preached about in the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, Jesus was saying He is the Messiah. And the point, the point of this passage here is submission to the one who conquered death, hell, and the grave for my sins and for your sins. Baptism doesn't save us, but it's a beautiful picture of what Jesus did. It's kind of like I've heard people say, putting on the uniform of Christianity, saying, I'm not ashamed. When we baptize people here, we give them that not ashamed t-shirt. That's what baptism is. Not only have I been saved, I want the whole world to know about it. Jesus says, you ought to confess me before other people, and I'll confess you before my Father who is in heaven. And baptism is a beautiful picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus for our sins. It's a picture of what he did for us. We don't hold people down for three days the way Jesus in the tomb three days, because it's just a picture. There's nothing magical about that water. That water does not wash away your sins, but it's that step of obedience. Because you've trusted Jesus, because you've entered the ark of salvation and safety in Jesus, then the next step is to follow him in baptism. Verse 22. Now, Christ has gone to heaven. He's seated in a place of honor next to God, and all the angels and authorities and powers accept His authority. Submission, recognizing He is Lord, recognizing who He is. We just sang Revelation 4 earlier this morning. We sang that passage that I read in my personal quiet time yesterday morning. It's straight Scripture. Did you know you were just singing straight Scripture a little bit ago? Because Jesus died for my sins. He was buried and rose again. He is seated at the right hand of the Father in the place of honor, and He 
and he alone is worthy of my worship, of all of my worship. The third thing I see in this passage, you write this down, we must live like Christ. We must live like Christ. Yes, we want to see people saved. Yes, we want to see people repent and be found. People who are lost and struggling and need to be found. But the job is not, it doesn't end there. It's really only beginning there. We have the mandate, again, let's go back to the Great Commission and let Scripture be our guide. Going to make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all the things I've commanded you. Jesus says, and by the way, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. So it's discipleship, we're to grow in our relationship with the Lord, and we're to live like Jesus. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 1. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had. Let this mind be in you, and be ready to suffer too. For if you've suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you'll be anxious to do the will of God because he's worthy. Because Jesus died for me, I want to live for him. I'm not living for him to prove my love. I'm not living for him to earn God's favor. Jesus already paid for that. I'm living for him out of that life of worship we just talked about because he alone is worthy. And he says, you've had enough in the past of the evil things, verse 3, that godless people enjoy, their immorality, lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. So that's just the first step when somebody turns from their sin and gives their life to Jesus. We've got to daily strive to be like Jesus. This has been 2021. We've called it the year of grow at Airline Baptist Church. And that has been our emphasis this year, to grow in our walk with the Lord, to hold each other accountable, to get in the Word, to serve God by serving others. And we do that together in small groups. Pastor Andrew has a lunch right after church today for those who've been a part of that ministry. Discipleship. We cannot do this alone. We need each other to help us because when one is down, and listen, it's why yesterday when there's a family in our church suffering, the whole church hurts. Everybody hurts. Even if the, those of you may not know who Brock is, you know Pastor Mike Welburn, you know Miss Janice. So the whole church is completely crying out to the Father for that because we love each other. We're a part of a family. We help each other grow in our walk with the Lord. We're to strive to be like Jesus. So these Jewish Christians who were scattered by persecution, Peter's reminded them in verse 2, we got to have that same humility that Jesus had. Again, only ongoing thing. We've already talked about this already in the book of First Peter. As we grow in our faith, we learn to be more like Jesus. The things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace, and I'll begin to hate my personal sin more and more. When I get a full glimpse of what Jesus did on that cross for my sins, how He pulled me out of Egypt, I'm going to hate my own sin more and more, and I'm going to grow in discipleship. A big Bible word for you is sanctification, just means being set apart. We're to be set apart. If any man be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, he is a new creation. The old things, the partying, the drunkenness, all that stuff has passed away. Behold, all things have become new in Jesus. We are to be different. There should be an obvious difference in our life for the world who's looking at us. 1 Peter 4, 4. Some of you have experienced this. I sure have when I first got saved and started living for Jesus. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do, so they slander you. 
They just try to tear you down rather than saying, you know what? They're doing the right thing. I should be like them. It's easier to pull you down and to slander you. Number four, write this down. We must live with the end in mind. We must live with the end in mind. Pastor Matt reminds us of that earlier today. He addresses those former friends that he just talked about in verse four, the things that we used to do with them. And in verse five, he says, now remember, they're going to have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. So here's the question of the morning for us right here. Would you rather face the mocking and the laughing and the persecution of the world, or would you rather face the judgment of a holy God who gave his only begotten son to die for my sins and for your sins? That answer should be an easy one for a child of God to, to respond to. Look at verse 6. That's why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. All of us die. We're born once. If you're not born again, you die a second death separated from God forever. But those who have died in Jesus are secure in Him. A lot of people in the early church, they didn't have the 66 books of the Bible like we do today. So they had even more questions than you and I do. One of those questions is, what's going to happen to folks who've died? Are they going to get to see Jesus before he comes back again? And so in 1 Thessalonians, he talks about that fact that one day the dead in Christ will rise first, and those who are alive and remain on the earth will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord and to see him, and so will we be with him evermore. He's reminding them that the best is yet to come. Do not give up. When it looks like the sinners and those who persecute you and mock you, when it looks like they're getting ahead, you remember that your father has the final word, and he keeps perfect records. Now, Scripture teaches that between his crucifixion and his resurrection, Jesus preached to those Old Testament saints who looked forward to his coming and announced to them that he is indeed the Messiah that they looked forward to. Colossians 2.14 says this, he canceled the record of the charges against us. He stamped paid in full over Mike Dura's sin debt, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. It was the victorious announcement of his victory that he was making over sin, death, hell, and the grave. And then in verse 7, he reminds us, the end of the world is coming soon. You say, dude, that was written 2,000 years ago. All I can tell you is, if that was written 2,000 years ago, how much closer are we today? How much closer are we today? If you studied enough Bible prophecy, you know there's some things that had to happen before the Lord could come back again, one of those being the reformation of the nation of Israel in May of 1940-something. That had to happen first. So we're, if that, he says that was the last days. We define the last days as that time between Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and the time he comes back again. That's the last days. We're living in it, and if you will read your Bible and pay attention to the things in this world, your prophetic radar is on, and you realize it's getting dark and it's getting close. Surely the Lord is coming again, and the world who may mock us, the world who may persecute us, they need to see that we will not be deterred. We will not back down, let up, put up, or shut up until we're called up to be with heaven to heaven to be with the Lord forever and forever. They need to see us walking in victory. They don't need to see us walking in defeat and temptation. Verse 7 says, the end of the world is coming soon, therefore be earnest. Be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. So we've been talking about the persecution. We've been talking about the submission. We've been talking about we're living in the last days. Things are tough. And he says, if you want to make it through all this mess, you better be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. 
I have confessed to you that of all the spiritual disciplines, that is one of the hardest ones for me. If you've been around me very long, you know my brain just pings all over the place. And my guys I meet with on Wednesday night, I always tell them, it's the hardest thing for me to do, to stay focused, to be still and know that I'm God and pray. Why is that so difficult? Because Satan knows that's where the power is. If all I do is just read some words out of the Bible and press on and not spend time to pray about it and to pray through it and journal and for me, may not for you, but for me, I have to journal it. What I do is I read a passage of Scripture and I write that back as a prayer to the Lord to apply it to my life. But i got to be disciplined in my prayer life. He says, especially at the end of the age, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. And here's what happens. Time's ticking away. There's a lot to be discouraged about. But when I, take, when I start praying to the Father, you see what that does? I'm not focused, look at me, I'm not focused on Mike, I'm focusing on him. I'm not focusing on what I'm going through and what I can't do, I'm taking it to my Abba Father. I called him Abba Father more this weekend than I have in years and years and years, thinking about Stephen and Christy and their boy out in the woods. I just kept crying out, Abba Father, let that boy walk out of the woods for your glory. And God heard the prayers of all of his people and God allowed that to happen, but he is our Abba Father. That's a term of endearment. We take it to our Abba Father and when we pray, we're reminded to take our our eyes off the things of this world because the end is certainly nigh. Dr. Tony Evans, I've told you a zillion times, he's one of my favorite preachers on the planet. He says, we are all on death row. We're all on death row unless the Lord returns in our lifetime. And I've told you, I think he may, but I don't know that. We're all on death row. We're all like a fuse that's burning out. We're all like a carton of milk with an expiration date on it. I don't know when mine is, and you don't know when yours is, but it is predetermined by God himself. And so I live with the reality of that hanging over my head, not to depress me, not to scare me, but to motivate me to live for Jesus and to live a holy life in a hostile culture. So he, he shifts the focus and he gets them back on prayer. He shifts the focus and says, you don't have forever. The time is now to live for Jesus. And then he shifts the focus to do what airline does is good as any church I know of anywhere. Look at verse 8. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. You know, if you say something, it gets on somebody's nerves, or you tick them off, but if they know that you love them, that'll give you some grace right there. If you prove that you love them, love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Biblical love is not defined by our emotions. Biblical love is defined by our commitment to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and our submission under Him and a sacrificial heart willing to serve others. It's one of our purposes as a church, to serve God by serving others. Just as this year is the year of grow, 2022 is going to be the year of serve. We'll talk more about that next year. And so then he says, hey, what I call you to do, I equip you to do. You may think you can't do it, and you may be right apart from Jesus, but he says, I'm not going to compel you to do something I'm not going to equip you to do, so I'm going to give you some spiritual gifts. He shifts to spiritual gifts here. We know that spiritual gifts are those tools, the building blocks of ministry that God gave you at the moment of your salvation. Now listen, when I was saved as a high school freshman, I didn't have a clue. I didn't know God gave me spiritual gifts. I knew I was lost, and now I was found, and I was blind, but now I see. It was important for me to be discipled. We talked about being discipled so that I could learn what a spiritual gift is. And God didn't give it to me like Santa Claus on Christmas morning just to play with and enjoy. God gives you spiritual gifts to use for ministry in the body of Christ. And we all have different gifts and abilities. Look at verse number 10. God has given each of you, speaking to believers now, a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. 
It ain't about you, it's to serve other people. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to him forever and forever. He just gives us a few of them. Spiritual gifts are listed in other passages of Scripture. But it's a beautiful thing. Aren't you glad we're not all just alike? I marvel, I've marveled and I've said it out loud many times how thankful I am for our staff, how different each of us are, how we have different gifts and abilities, how different all of us in this room are. But when we all use our gifts and abilities like parts of the body, if we were all ears or we're all toes or hands, we couldn't get stuff done. But all of us together can do great things for the glory of God by pointing people to Him. The variety of spiritual gifts is a beautiful thing. Now often conflict happens. When you realize how you're wired and you get frustrated, because somebody else isn't wired like you are. Their passion is not your passion, and your passion is not their passion, and we can be frustrated. Let's recognize what the Scripture says, the different spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. Pop quiz, who can remember, and I'm going to confess I had it wrong. I had to look it up and correct myself. Who can tell me the name of the service station in the old Andy Griffith show? No, I know. We're in the South. Y'all know this, don't you? Nobody? Wally's, that's it. I thought it was Gomer or Goober. I thought, was it Gomer or Goober? It was Wally's filling station. Wally's was a full-service filling station. How many of you remember full-service filling stations? I do. I, can, I wasn't old enough to drive, but my aunt took me many places, and she'd pull up and say, give me $2 worth of regular. You can't get a gallon of gas for that. And you know what they do? They pop the hood. They check Aunt Lydia's oil. They clean her windshield. They check the tire pressure. They do all. It was a full-service service station. If they exist, and I'm not saying they don't, I don't know where any are these days, and if they did, you'd probably have to pay $10 a gallon for that gas, but many times Christians approach church and serving the Lord like a self-service. We pull up. I go to Sam's. I put in my Sam's card, I punch in the numbers, and I get my gas, and I leave. Sadly, in American culture, not worldwide, but in American culture, many times, we treat the church of God and service to God like we would a self-service station. I go, and I fill up on gas. I put some oil in the car, and I keep going, and I don't come back till I need some more. The beauty of spiritual gifts are we are to be a full-service filling station at Airline Baptist Church, all of us using our gifts and our abilities for the glory of God so that no need goes undone. Whatever need there is in this church, God has already equipped somebody to meet that need. Do you serve your boss more than you do King Jesus? Do you serve your teacher more than you do Jesus? Do you serve your coach more than you do Jesus? You see, we've already said any of that is idolatry. Anybody I love more than Jesus. And the problem in churches in America today is we've done that for so long, no matter what we've said with our mouth, our children have gotten the message. Our children, have. we would never tell them that other stuff is more important. We, I don't think mo many of us would, maybe some would, but I don't think most professing believers would say, hey, now, now school's more important than church or ball is more important. Nobody's going to say that, but we do that with our actions, don't we? Bless God, you're going to get up and go to school. You're going to get up and go to ball practice or the ball game. You're committed to the team, and you ought to be committed to whatever team you're on. But church, ah, if, we, if we don't have anything else to do, we'll go to church, buddy. You know, if, if there's nothing else going on, we'll, I'll, I'll take you. And I, You've heard me say this a million times. If a child has to ask on Saturday night or Sunday morning, Mama or Daddy, are we going to church today? 
you're already in trouble. That's like that flashing light on the dashboard of your car saying, warning, something is bad, wrong. They're getting the message loud and clear. We're to be a full-service filling station at Airline Baptist Church and every other church and be more committed to Jesus than anything else. And in the remaining verses of chapter 4, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because it's review of things we've already said. Number five, we must be willing to suffer if necessary for His glory. We must be willing to suffer if necessary for His glory. Let's read the Scripture, verse 12. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in His suffering, so that you'll have the wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it's revealed to all the world. If you're insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you'll be blessed, for the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, prying into other people's affairs, but it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God. Praise God for the privilege of being called by His name. When you call yourself a Christian, you're identifying with Jesus Christ. Praise God for that privilege. Verse 17, for the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. Judgment must begin here, not with the world, not with any other entity, but judgment must begin in the house of God. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who've never obeyed God's good news? And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what shall happen to the godless sinners? So if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what's right. Trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. This is in third or fourth week that we've talked about this thing, to be willing to suffer if necessary for his glory. I had a couple who was supposed to be here today. I called them yesterday when we just didn't know what was going on with Brock Cooper, and I said, it's just not a good Sunday for y'all to come. But I had a couple, and we'll reschedule them to come later. God's called them to the international mission field. God's called them to serve in a dangerous area where nobody else goes. And you know what? She's expecting her first child. You talk about faith. To go a dangerous place, you could lose your life. I was going to introduce them once the live stream ended. I was going to have to tell you, don't, you don't take pictures. I was only going to tell you their first names, not their last name. Because the danger of living for Jesus in some parts of the world today, that is a real reality that some people face. So although we may not face persecution with our very lives here in America, yet it may happen one day, he's worthy down any road, down any cost. First Peter 4.14, we'll say it one more time. If you're insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you'll be blessed for the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. Number one, write this down. Will you and I, will we be faithful when it costs to follow Christ? Will you be faithful when it costs to follow Christ? If we ever get targeted for being believers, if we ever get put in a camp somewhere and we're told you can come out if you deny Christ, what are we going to do at that point? Number two, do you approach church from the self-service model? You just come to get a little fill up and get out of here and go about your business? Or the full service model like Wally's filling station? Number three, how can you better start serving our Lord? Maybe you say, Mike, I'm maxed out. Some of you probably need to quit doing some stuff. You're doing so many things, you may feel like you're not as effective. And the reason for that is because so many people don't do anything. Everybody in this building has spiritual gifts. If we're all using them, nobody is going to get burned out for having to wear a hundred different hats because we're all using our gifts for the glory of God. How can you better start serving the Lord? And number four, let me ask you this last question. If you're not willing... If you're not willing to follow Jesus down any road at any cost, do you really have a relationship with him at all? Do you really know him? Do you really understand what he did for you on that cross? Do you understand what he did for me on that cross? You see, I should have woke up in hell today. It's why my standard recurring answer, anytime somebody says, how you doing? I say, I'm blessed. 
because I did not wake up in hell today and I will never, ever, ever wake up in hell because of what Jesus did for me. An easy open door for you to share the gospel if you say something that simple. We're, we're blessed. But if you don't have a relationship with him and you're just trying to do this thing on your own when the chips are down, you just might cave and deny the Lord. It's time to decide today. We got to decide in this building, in the presence of a loving church family, am I going to stand for Jesus? Am I going to give my life for Jesus? Am I going to join a New Testament church? Am I going to be baptized? Am I going to use my gifts for his glory? Am I going to do whatever God calls me to do? Because he alone is worthy. And Jesus basically says there's a real high cost of discipleship. There's a very high cost of following him. And he says this in Luke 9, 23, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. It's not what I want take up his cross, he's not talking about a silver or a gold piece of jewelry around your neck, the cross was an instrument of death, take up your cross and follow me daily, Jesus said, we're not fit to be his disciples. You pray with me, church. Lord, I don't ever, I don't ever, ever want to forget what you saved me from. I don't ever want to get over the crucifixion, whether I ponder it in my brain I see it in a movie like The Passion of Christ. Lord, I don't ever want to get over it. That was because of me. You did that for me, and you did that because of me, because of my sins. And I'm so thankful that you paid that high cost, the ultimate price as a parent to give up the life of your only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him wouldn't have to die and go to hell, but we can have eternal life. God, don't let me ever get over that. And Lord, if I never get over that, I know you're going to keep me compelled with the spiritual, my spiritual radar on with an awareness of people that are lost all around me. Lord, forgive me for those times when I just get caught up in what I'm doing and oblivious to the needs of those around me who are lost and on their way to hell or Christians who are struggling and hurting and just need somebody to stop and take the time and say, how you doing? And to encourage them. So Lord, we know you've spoken. You say your word does not return void. So if all I did was read the scripture today, you have spoken, Father. And I know you don't do that for no reason. Help us to not only be hearers of your word, but doers also. For anyone who may need to give their life to Christ today, may today be the day of their salvation. They accept that free gift that was purchased on the cross in the empty tomb for their sins. Those who are looking for a church to unite with or to be a part of your purposes, connecting people with God and one another, growing in our walk with the Lord, serving you by serving others and worshiping you and honoring you with their lives. God, lead people to unite with us. Lord, for any who've never followed you in baptism the way two young people recently did, God, I pray today be the day they take that bold step of obedience and get that right. And Lord, as my brother Kirk shared that challenge, how we were all pleading for you to save Brock yesterday, a young man that we're pretty confident he's going to heaven because he's gave, given evidence of that. Lord, forgive us when we're more concerned about getting saved people home than we are getting lost people home. God, I pray some folks just come to the altar today and, and lay that out before you, ask you to forgive us, ask you to burn in us afresh and anew the desire to live for you, to model you, to grow in our faith with you, and to walk in victory no matter what the world throws at us, because you're worthy and you equip us to do what you've called us to do. In the name of your son Jesus, we pray, amen and amen. Listen, I don't know what the Lord said to your heart today. 
It's amazing sometimes how the Spirit of God works, is it not? That somebody can say, boy, God just spoke so clearly to me this. And somebody else say, no, this is what God said to me. I don't know how God spoke to you. I know He's spoken to my heart already today before I ever got up to preach. God spoke to my heart. God doesn't do that for no reason. Me to say, whoo, I got chill bumps and God spoke to me. No, God expects me to act on that. God expects you to act on that. Whatever you need today, Jesus is. If it's to come and just pray for a lost person, to come and pray for the Cooper family, to come and pray for whatever, come and pray. If you need to talk to a pastor, somebody about joining a church or being saved or baptized, we're here to talk with you and pray with you as we stand together, as we sing this song to the God who gives light to the darkness. Let's obey him right now. You give light, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken, and great are you, Lord, it's your breath. Give life. 
praise to him only because he alone is worthy of it amen be seated for just a moment i got somebody very special i want you to meet i just met for the very first time mr jaston j-s-t-e-n smith i think he said he recently met miss kimberly our pianist she invited him to come and visit us here at airline and he did today you said you came from arkansas foreman arkansas he's in our area now says he knows jesus as the lord and savior of his life he was baptized before he became a christian so he wants to get his baptism on the right side of his salvation recommit his life to christ and be a part of the airline baptist church family if you rejoice with Justin, let's praise the lord this morning amen amen brother Brother, you are home. You will be loved. You will be welcomed here. If you don't mind after church, if you'll just come stand, you come by. If, you're, if you take a few seconds and let Jaston know you love him, you welcome him to the family of God here at Airline Baptist Church. Pastor Matt has some things to share with us. Good morning, church. Wow. We've already had a whole service and y'all are still asleep. Bless your hearts. It's okay. Uh, got a few things to announce. Uh, so we've got a lot of really cool things coming up. Uh, October 24th, uh, Bruce, the grill master, is, uh, we're going to be selling barbecue plates coming up on the, ten, on, uh, on the 24th. They're $10 a piece. So this is going to be Sunday the 24th. This is going to be directly after church. And that morning, Josh Johnson, who is an airline alum, is going to be preaching. So it's going to be an incredible Sunday. Um, those are $10 a piece. All the proceeds are going towards the purchase of our new sound system that we're looking at purchasing, okay? So buy a lot of barbecue. I'm not biased, but I think you need like 12 plates each would be great. Um, just personal opinion. Uh, on that thought as well, the next week, Saturday, October 30th, um, we'll also be selling, or we're selling right now, but we'll also be able to pick up a Boston butt. And they're what, six to seven pounds a piece? Something like that. So uh, those are, they're actually sign-ups for the Boston butts out in a lot of the foyers. You can find them, they're sitting around everywhere. They're on the foyer out here. They're on the table out here right behind the sanctuary. They're on the um, uh, welcome booth out in the back door. Uh, anywhere you find one of those sign-up sheets, sign up. That way we have an idea of how many Boston butts that we need. On the same thought process, Bruce is an incredible pit master, but he's one guy, and we're going to be cooking a lot of barbecue. So Bruce, 
needs volunteers. Do you know about how many volunteers you'd like to have? Just as many as you can get. As many as you can get. So if you would, if you're interested in helping, if you would, let Bruce know, let myself know, send us an email. Just let us know ASAP. That way we can get an idea of how many Bruce is going to have. I would recommend that you go to Bruce directly after service and let him know, hey, I'm willing to help whatever you need from me. All right? So that's the 24th and 30th, October 31st, is our church trunk or treat. So this is a great opportunity for us as a church to pour out not only to the children and all the people here in the church, but also to our community. This is going to be a great out outreach opportunity. Uh, if you haven't gotten with Kevin, if you're interested in decorating a trunk, it's super easy. He'll give you all the help you need. He'll give you ideas. Uh, get with Pastor Kevin. Uh, last week he was in the foyer, but just uh, see him at some point in time to sign up for a trunk. Uh, today there was supposed to be a deacon's meeting scheduled. Um, due to everything that has happened over the last couple of days, we are going to postpone that till next week, uh, which also means that we're going to be postponing deacon election until the 24th, correct? All right, 24th of October, we'll be voting on deacons. Also today, there was supposed to be a children's musical meeting. Uh, a lot has happened this week, so we're going to be postponing that until next week for you parents that uh, said I was going to meet with you this week. Just kidding. It'll be next week. So um, I will send that email again. Y'all, it's been a week. Um, I've been, my family's been in three car accidents in the last five months. My wife was hit on Monday, so she's, she's hurt. Pray for her. Um, but that's kind of why an email hasn't gone out this week. It will go out this week. That's, yes, I'm about to pass it over. Uh, also, Enid has an announcement. Uh, thank you for my wife for reminding me. She keeps me straight. Uh, Am yes. I on? Yes. Okay. Ladies, here we go again. So next Sunday is our next ladies meeting. It will be here at the church in the fellowship hall. And it is a craft night. Now, okay, we've all had craft nights. But this is not your average craft night. We have not done anything so far. This ladies group, y'all, this is, y'all are a great ladies group. Okay, and we have had some great fun. And so this is gonna be fun too. Now, if you're not into crafts, that's okay, that's okay. You can still come, you can still eat, you can still talk, because we're all good at that. At least I'm really good at that. So come and have fun is what I want you to do. Come have fun, come laugh, enjoy each other. Because that's what you, you know, that's how we strengthen our women is by, you know, meeting and getting together and eating and talking, right? At least that's what I'm supposed to do, right? <laughs> anyway, all right, so next Sunday, all right, from 5 to 8, it is a $10 charge. If that is a problem for you, please come. It's not, you know, we want everybody to come. So don't let $10 keep you from coming. Um, also, RSVP, Mike had sent out our message on Monday. It's kind of down, you have to scroll down on his message. Um, if you didn't see it, click on that link and please RSVP so we can get a count of how many people are going and want to be a part of that craft and do the $10. We know so those who are doing our craft for us, preparing it for us, can get uh, all that they need for that. All right? So we don't want anyone to be short of a craft. Okay. Have I covered everything? Time? RSVP? I didn't follow this. I should have followed this. Yeah, I've learned that if I don't follow something, that I'm, I'm ADHD, so it all Well, go. I kind of did this during the service, and I can't read my own writing. But anyway, I think I took care of it. Those Boston butts that reminded me, they're $40 a piece, and those proceeds as well go to purchasing the new sound equipment. So um, 
buy them for you, buy them for your friends, buy them for all your family. They, they'll ship across the state, across states, I think. Uh, if not, they'll figure that out when it gets there. Um, outside of that, how are we doing, church? I mean, we, we kind of talked about it. Are y'all okay? We good? Know that y'all are prayed for. Your staff is praying for you every week. Your deacons are praying for you. We love you. We thank you. We're so glad that you are worshiping here with us. Uh, if you're new, if you're here visiting for the first time, I didn't mention this in service, um, our pastor will be back here at a welcome area, and we've got a gift for you. If you'll stop by and talk to him for a minute, just let him know you're here. Uh, he'll talk to you uh, and give you this gift, and uh, we want to thank you for coming and worshiping with us this morning. Outside of that, let's pray, because Lord knows we need it. Amen. Um, and I'm just going to pray for each of you all that God protects you and leads you until we come back together again. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for how you've moved. God, we, we give you honor and glory and praise, Father, that even in the midst of times that seem so crazy, God, that you are steadfast. God, you're there. And God, you're not, you're not wavering, Father, and God, you're not caught off guard about everything that's going on in our lives. God, you knew, Father, even before we were formed. God, you knew us when we were being formed in our, our mother's wombs, Father. And God, we, we know that you know every hair on our head. So God, who are we to think that you don't have all things in control, Father? We give you honor and glory and praise for that. Father, we pray as we go out of here. God, we know the enemies come to steal, kill, and destroy. We pray a hedge of protection around each one of our homes. Father, we pray that you bring us safely back here again next Sunday. And God, lead us, guide, and direct us. And we ask you all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Ha! <laughs>